0: Welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. In this podcast, we take a reading from Scripture each day. We look at the background material to that passage and also application for us. Once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word podcast. Welcome to the Illuminated Word. This is Devin Morris. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 56. This is a long section, so let's go ahead and get into it. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And when he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Sleep, and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given him a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man sees him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do not think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels. But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled, that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against us a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. A lengthy passage. There's really, uh, maybe we could see two primary scenes uh, in in our uh, section of scripture. This comes right off the heels of um Peter's, you know, he hasn't denied Jesus yet, but his uh, profession of loyalty and Jesus saying, hey, no, it's not actually going to play out that way. So we have that scene between that conversation between Jesus and Peter and, and then this immediate scene where Jesus has gone into Gethsemane to pray. So it's a really interesting scene already where we're at, and uh, it only gets uh, more interesting. So uh, Jesus with stern self-control has so far masked His anguish about his coming torture and crucifixion, uh, he has spoken of it, but from what we can tell in text, has remained poised about it all. But here, true anguish shines through. His sorrowfulness comes to light. And so he is with his three inner circle, men of his inner circle, and he's asked them to come to Gethsemane with him, which they've come here before, we, we get that in John 18. Um, this is a place they must have you know visited every so often. And this time it's for the specific purpose uh, because Jesus felt overwhelmed. He was anxious and sorrowful and needed a place to pray. So he brings his guys with him. He says, hey, this is where I'm at. He's, he's very upfront about his feelings. He says, I just need you to stay with me. I need you to watch with me. Uh, Matthew is the only one that says, with me. The other gospels just recorded as, "Hey, remain here and keep watch," uh, but Matthew adds this with me, um, and, and it just goes to show that Jesus needed people with him, in prayer with him, uh, a, you know, being um, aware of kind of what's going on and in, in, in the finality of, you know, in Jesus' mind, the finality of everything that's going to be uh, taking place in the coming days. So going, he just goes a little bit further away from the disciples. Maybe they're in earshot. Maybe that's how we know what Jesus prayed here in the garden. Maybe he tells his disciples later on after the resurrection. Whatever the case, we have Jesus' prayer. And based on this prayer, you have some scholars that are really wrestle with, okay, what was going through Jesus' mind? Did Jesus really know what was about to happen? And is this prayer a actual, you know, asking of God to not let him die, to not let him, uh, be sacrificed in this manner. And that's really interesting, you know, so you get these questions of, man, Jesus is trying to get out of it. Did Jesus not really want to go to the cross? Is this why he is so, uh, filled with sorrow and anguish and needs to take this time to pray? And, um, you get the, um, Uh, the idea of of jesus sweating blood in these moments and it's it's surreal uh, everything that's going on so you have some scholars based off of and it's one primary scholar based off of the language that jesus uses and it's the condition of the sentence so if you you can have conditional uh, sentences and um there's two parts to a, con- a conditional sentence. And some scholars say based on the first part of Jesus's prayer, he's implying a, a reality of what really is. And um, you know, based on the, the grammar of the Greek, Jesus is not necessarily, necessarily saying, don't let me, uh, don't take this cup from me, but don't give me this cup and never take it away. And that's an interesting reading. Um, i've i've read some other people who who can't get behind that who say that it doesn't uh, make sense if you apply that same reading to other types of conditional sentences that Jesus uses in his prayers specifically in John 16 and 17 that if you apply it there it doesn't make sense so uh, regardless it's an interesting thought is is Jesus's prayer not so much don't let me take the drink but once I take it please take take it back. Don't let your wrath always be on me. Don't let the separation that I'm about to endure be forever. Um, Sometimes this reading is mistakenly interpreted to, you know, cast doubt. So is, is Jesus truly scared? What does that do for What does that mean for all those Christians who gave their lives? What does that mean for martyrs over the past two centuries that died in Jesus' name, were brave, and and, and faced death? Well, if you remember, Jesus, he didn't suffer martyrdom. (laughs) Uh, This isn't martyrdom. Many of Jesus' followers throughout the centuries willingly suffer martyrdom because of the strength Jesus' death and resurrection gives them. But Jesus went to his death knowing that it was the Father's will that he faced death completely alone, like chapter 27 says, as the sacrificial, wrath-averting Passover lamb. As his death was unique, so also is his anguish. And our best response is a hushed worship. That's from D.A. Carson. And I love that line, that our response to Jesus is not, man, was he really doubting here? What does that mean for me and my faith? It's, hold on he's doing something completely unique here. My response should be hushed worship. I think that's really powerful. Um, so really quickly in the last couple of minutes we've got, let's look at our second section, verses 47 through 56. It's really odd, you know, that Judas comes up to Jesus and says, Rabbi, but if you think about it, that's probably for the crowd. Uh, Judas is, um, Simply saying that for the crowd, not for Jesus' sake. Jesus knows why Judas is there. Judas probably knows that Jesus knows why he's there. You've you've got to signal to the to the group you're with who Jesus is, uh, right? Because uh, even in the um, town of Jerusalem, which was which would ha- have been many people living there, some people may have never actually seen Jesus. So you need to really uh, mark who your target is. Uh, it's dark. Uh, some people may have not seen him. So coming up to kiss him is going to be this definite sign for those that might be uh, standing, you know, several yards off. They can they can know who Judas Judas's target is, who their target is. Uh, Luke twenty two shows us that we we know the disciples carried swords, based on verses thirty three through thirty four. Peter attacks this soldier because Peter may be seeing this as his opportunity to show. His loyalty to Jesus—he's already confessed it. Well, now he's going to act on it, and he is going to, you know, respond to Jesus in the way that he thinks uh, Jesus's role here on earth is going to play out as this political leader, as this uh, war- warrior Messiah that's going to free the Jews. And uh, Jesus isn't on the same page as Peter. He tells Peter to put his sword back in its sheath, not to throw it away, not to get rid of it totally. Uh, it's it's kind of a it's not the best section of scripture to use as kind of a defense for violence, or a defense for just war, or a defense for pacifism. You can't really do that with this passage. It's it's almost too neutral to draw anything from. Um, but you have Jesus totally willing to go into this, to to be taken away, and he says that it's going to be. All this had to happen to fulfill scripture. It had to be at night. It had to be. Uh, sneaky. It had to be a betrayal. It had to be all of these things uh, to fulfill God's purposes. And Jesus willingly does that for us. I hope you're looking for ways to love and serve your neighbor in genuine and sincere ways. Peace and love.